Hey, what's up, y'all? My name is Gary, and welcome to the second season of It's Personal. Okay, good. This is going to be really dope, but I don't want any <laughs> Putting yourself out there as practitioners who are growing and learning. Not at all. My name is Kwame Mbalia. I'm an author. I'm Padma Venkatraman, the author of The Bird Home. Sure, yeah. My name is Natasha Diaz. Code switching and all those things. I mean, all of that. All the time. I mean, he's still on the road all the time, but you know, like as a new mom. The relationship that I have cultivated from there. Uh, I'm so excited to talk to you. This is amazing. This is so fun. (laughs) All right. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of It's Personal. And today I have Grace. Lynn with us, and I'm super excited just to have a conversation with her about books, about life, um, about how things are going. Um, But I'm going to allow her to introduce herself because she obviously knows a lot more about herself than I do. (laughs) (laughs) Aw, thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm Grace Lynn. I'm an author and illustrator of all different kinds of books. I write Um, I write and illustrate board books, picture books, early readers, and middle grade novels. I'm an author and an illustrator, but um, most people probably know me as an author, which is is interesting because I started as an illustrator. But um, that's kind of me and what I do. (laughs) I also do a lot of talking. I have my own podcast. (laughs) I have my own, I have two other podcasts. I have a podcast, which is just for kids called Kids Ask Authors, where uh, a guest author and I answer one kid question a week. And then I have another podcast with me and my best friend since childhood, who is also now my editor of my books. We we talk about how we navigate our life in the children's book industry. So I make books and I talk a lot. That is awesome. That is a great, that's a great life. That's a great life. Grace, I'm wondering, I think my first question for you is how do you navigate um, the busyness of being an author and an illustrator? Um, I hear a lot of people that have goals to, to be able to, to do both. Um, what does that look like for you? Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing because, uh, as I said, I, I started as an illustrator. I actually went to art school for, uh, for children's book illustration. I always wanted to be a children's book illustrator. Uh, but when I graduated from school um, and I started sending my artwork to all the different publishers and hoping to, that somebody would hire me to illustrate a book, um, nothing was happening. Uh, I wasn't getting uh, any calls. I wasn't getting anything for like, I would say at least two or three years until finally, um, Finally, I got a phone call from an editor who said, you know, I've always really liked your work, but I've never found any stories that go with your work. Maybe you might want to write something because I really like your work, but like I said, I can't find any stories that actually match what you, what you illustrate. Uh, and I thought maybe you might have a story. And so I looked at all the work I had been sending and um, all the work I had been sending was basically uh, images of me and my mom and childhood and my sisters. And um, we're Asian, a, we're, we're an Asian American family. And uh, only now, looking back, do I realize the reason why I wasn't getting any work was because I was sending all, all these images of Asian American kids and Asian American families. And nobody back then were, was writing stories about that. Um, but I, like I said, I was so young that, that that hadn't occurred to me. And I was like, oh, okay, I was just eager to get my big break. So I um, wrote a story based on my childhood. 
and I sent it into this editor and it became my very first published book, The Ugly Vegetables. It was a story about me and my mom and how we used to grow Chinese vegetables in our garden and everybody else in the neighborhood would grow flowers and I used to be really, really embarrassed. So that became my first, um, my first published book. And then after that, um, I started writing more and more, mainly because I wanted to illustrate and nobody was writing stories with Asian American characters or Asian characters. And if I wanted to illustrate those images, then I had to create the content myself. So I started writing so I could illustrate. <laughs> and that which is so ironic now because now I most people know me as an author. And I actually I did I fell in love with the writing and I became a novelist and I began writing longer and longer things. But initially I became um, I started writing so I could illustrate. So that's why it's been a, when you asked me, how do I juggle it? It was like, well, for me, I rarely, even now, I never illustrate anybody else's work. Um, if I want to create, if I want to have a book out, I, I kind of know that I have to come up with a story and illustrate it myself. Like it's gotta be all for me because, um, Perhaps my style is just so unique that, or so um, unmatchable <laughs> that there's not that many stories that match it. But um, like I said, it, I, I actually, it, what was a weakness back then is now I think a strength, so. That's awesome, that's awesome. <laughs> I think it's so cool that you're able to now be able to do both because going in as an illustrator, possibly not thinking that you're a writer, but now also falling in love with the writing process alone, like that is, beautiful in itself, being able to have the best of both worlds. I know, it's it's ironic in some, it's like so many people be like, oh, that's what I want to do. And I was like, it's, I almost feel, um, I don't know, I almost feel like, oh my gosh, and I just kind of fell into it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I'm Which, very grateful for it. That's awesome. Would you say that writing or illustrations um, or just drawing in general um, is something that was run in your family or is it just something that you kind of just decided you wanted to do? Um, it does not, well, okay. Writing and illustrating does not run in my family because my parents are immigrants and uh, we, they are, and my extended family are, are very, um, for lack of, lack of better words, model minority, right? <laughs> they're very model minority, very like there are a lot of doctors. There's a lot of, there's a lot of doctors in my family. There's a lot of people who are, who are, you know, in tech and, in, in, and my my sister is like a professor at a university teaching chemistry, you know? So there's a lot of um, very STEM oriented people in my family. Um, so, so, what I was doing was very unusual. I remember when I went to art school, I decided I was going to go to art school. It caused quite a ruckus in my family. It caused a big deal. Uh, they were very, they were um, very horrified. <laughs> um, I would say that I remember, uh, feel, I remember people call it my relatives or Asian family friends calling up my parents and being like how how could you let your daughter go to art school if it was my daughter, i would not let them go to art school so how could you do that um but to my parents credit even though they found it hard to swallow and really hard for, to understand what i was trying to do they did let me go and they tried to support me the best that they could you know mm -hmm. so art was not something in their their blood um and creating art was not something in their blood but now that I look back, um, 
and I realized that even though they were very focused on, you know, the, the, the jobs that we, we consider um, traditionally successful jobs, I guess, <laughs> I don't know what you would call them, but the ones that, that, that they would have, like, they really wanted me to, be a, they really wanted to, me to be a pharmacist, you know, <laughs> things like that. Um, I, when I look back at them, I realize that even though those were kind of the things that they were pushing me towards, and um, I realized they also did have a big storytelling, um, a storytelling habit, a storytelling, uh, a storytelling way of communicating. Like whenever something happened, my mom would say, oh, this is, this is like a story. She would always, and she would like tell this old fable and I would be really bored by it. <laughs> but, um, but I realized that even though they didn't have that kind of, um, mentality to to be a creator they did have a storytelling mentality storytelling mentality and i think that is what i have taken from them and put into my work because mm -hmm. as i look at my work now i realize that it's not so much um the art that i love and it's not so much the writing that i love it's the storytelling that i love and using art and words to create the stories is really what i love so That's so beautiful <laughs> That was That's a very so long-winded cool. answer. <laughs> no, I, lo I love that. And I think for me, um, being an educator, and I feel like I'm, I still feel like I'm new. And I always say this because I know that there's people teaching in education for so long. And I'm in my, I think I'm in year eight now. Um, but I've always taught abroad. I've taught in Singapore. Um, I've taught in Kuwait for three years and then Singapore for four and now in the Philippines. Um, and it's really given me an opportunity to dive more into um, books that um, are within Asia and I think it's so fascinating and it's interesting that you say that because Asia has such a rich history of like storytelling um, and then hearing authors like you and yesterday I was listening to Kelly on Instagram live talking about the same experience having family members just like almost cringe when they hear like I'm going to go into be an author or an illustrator or an artist um, because it's just not what um, the norm is but it's so cool that there's people like you and her and other authors um, that are really just pushing that narrative of like writing and storytelling is something that we can do and it needs to happen for um, your kids for the world in general so that's really it's just really really cool to hear really, really well education cool. is really important too did you come from a, a line of educators not really like um, a lot of my family they finished like their high school and within my mom and dad's like immediate family we were like the first generation to kind of go off to college and I think going to college was like just a huge accomplishment in general. Um, and they were just pretty grateful in uh, that we were taking another step beyond high school. Um, so do your parents travel a lot then? So not at all. So you, so you, you teaching in abroad must be a, a very it different brand. Was, I remember when I first told my mom that I was going to Kuwait after my first like my last, I was finishing my BED and I went to a job fair in Toronto. Then I got a contract from Kuwait International, or Kuwait American School of Kuwait. And I called my mom and I said, Mom, I think I'm going to be going to Kuwait. And she goes, where's that? And I was like, it's in the Middle East. And she was like, we'll talk about it when you get home. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> wow. Have you brought your parents over while you were teaching? To so I, I didn't in Kuwait, um, mainly because um, I loved the Kuwait culture. I loved the people. Um, it was, I think it was a time where I was still young. Um, I felt like Kuwait itself had a lot of developing to do for as rich of a culture it is. Um, I just didn't feel like it was a great time. Mm -hmm. um, I was lucky enough to have my sister and her best friend come to Singapore about two years ago. And then my last year in Singapore, uh, my mom and dad came out. So it's oh. been, and that was their first trip like outside of North America. Wow. Um, and they got to go to, where else did we go? We went to Cambodia as well. Oh, wow. And they just, you know how parents are, they yeah. have like, they're just, they're so fully in it that I could just, like, I just caught myself watching them at times, just like smiling and laughing and just enjoying the experience a lot. It was really, so awesome. really cool. Yeah, it was really, really cool. Grace, I have a, one of my other questions I have for you is I think you talk a lot about like um, family and how obviously they didn't influence you entirely to um, get into writing and reading, but what did that look like for you um, growing up in America? Um, I think I was reading that you grew up in New York, New York. <laughs> New York. So what did that look like for you? So, um, so I often say I grew up in, up, I always have to say upstate New York because <laughs> when people say, oh, New York, they think about New York City, which has got a hugely diverse population. But um, I grew up in upstate New York, which is not diverse at all. Uh, it's the opposite of diverse. And we were the only, a minority family in the area or one of the very few minority families in the area so that meant um, I was the only Asian girl except for my sisters in my elementary school um, for for my whole elementary school year so like there's there's like no black people there's no Hispanic people we, we were like the only Asian family the only wow. minority family it was very um, I you know looking back you know it wasn't terrible but it was it wasn't like kids will often ask me was it hard and it was not easy but it wasn't hard in the sense of um like it wasn't like I was I tell them you know hard is growing up you know with not enough to eat you know hard is hard is having your you know having having sickness in your family like that's hard you know it wasn't hard like that but it wasn't but at the same time it wasn't easy it always kind of gives you like this gave me this kind of slight sense of unease all the time you know that like that like every I was different and I spent most of my time trying trying to pretend that I wasn't different. And um, and what was interesting about it was that most of the time I I did feel, I, I pretended really well. Most of the time I did forget that I was Asian. You know, like all, I spent so much time pretending that I wasn't Asian that most of the time I actually did forget. It was only like, once in a while, I'd see myself reflected in the store window, and I'd be like, "Oh well, gosh, I'm Asian," <laughs> or like, or little, but little things would happen. You know, like, um, you know, really silly things. Like when you're in, like, I remember being in fifth grade, and like, oh. Mark is so cute. Him and Holly would be such a good couple. And like, oh, and Jill, Jill and Jerry would be such a cute couple. And then be, they'd be like, oh, who would I be a cute couple with? And they'd be like, oh, 
you wouldn't be a cute couple with anyone. You don't match anybody because you are Chinese, you know? <laughs> so like, it was like that kind of thing, like those little things that um, would all of a sudden remind me like, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, like I'm not, I'm wow. different. So, so it's, like I said, it wasn't hard, but it was un something that was uneasy all the time. Mm -hmm. It's, I don't want to say it's funny, but it's so interesting that so many people of color have these like very specific examples of their childhood that they remember um, about being displaced or um, just thought of as an other, which have been so powerful. Um, like I, everyone that I've asked to, and I very honestly, openly talk about having this podcast for people like us to have a conversation. Um, they have very specific examples of what they remember during childhood, um, just like that. Uh, and it's, it, I think it says a lot. Um, it, it, it's something that we, especially as an educator, is continue trying to push the narrative in the classroom around um, equity and identity and all those things. But it says something that every single person that I've talked to um, has an experience that they can like they can see it in their yeah. mind today exactly what it looks like and it's very powerful very very powerful yeah it's interesting how it's like you can it, it's not like it's a traumatic experience but it's such a revealing experience like that like it's kind of like that cold water like the shock like oh yeah i remember now mm -hmm. <laughs> like, totally that you remember over and over mm -hmm. again Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. I want to ask you about, I guess, is it Asian fantasy? I guess I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, is is that a thing? I think it's a thing. Uh, the the what I write or yeah, what you write, what you write. What, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I, I've read a couple things, and I, I don't want to call it. The way you write is like so phenomenal in a sense where, like, I have a kid in my classroom. And he loves, like, Mountain Meets the Moon. And I gave him that book. And the first thing he did, like, he sat down. And I was like, you'll love this book. She's a great author. Like, just read it. It's, like, this fantasy base. It has, like, Asian characters. He's like, nope, I'm, I, I'm okay. Just, I don't want to read it. And I was like, just read the first chapter. And he did not put it down. Like, Aww. he did not put it down. And now he's read all of your books. Oh, that's so amazing. <laughs> and I tried to... Um, I tried to describe, and I, I want to say it's Asian fantasy, but what is what would you say the genre is? Yeah, you know, it's like a subgenre of Asian fantasy, right? Yeah, because yeah. it's a, it's like folk, it's folk tale. It's like um, it's like a folk tale fantasy, uh, and what's interesting, it's like um, I remember somebody putting it as like it's not creating a new myth; it's using the myths and telling a new story. So it's using all the 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 original Chinese myths and telling a, a new story with it. That's so, uh, so it's kind of like mytho, mythopoeic or something. Somebody's it's, called it's, it that. <laughs> and it's, a, it's amazing how you're able to um, take these stories and these ideas and put it in a book that makes it accessible for kids. Like he's in third grade and Yay. like he just like, he eats it up. It's so, so cool. So I guess my question is how did that come about? Um, because I'm just picturing um, your creativity and your mindset when you're writing these stories. Do you have like this whiteboard wall where you have all these sticky notes and like <laughs> arrows? Like what does that look like for you? Yeah, so um, 
So the very first one I wrote, Where the Mountain Meets the Moon, I did not do that. For Where the Mountain Meets the Moon, it was just kind of like, it was a lot more organic, but for all the other ones, it's definitely like, and since then it's been much more like, I have this white wall, white wall and then I have all these sticky notes of like the, where I want the story to go and I move the sticky notes like this story could go here this story could go here oh maybe this you know like and I move it around and I and I kind of plot it all out and then um and then then I try to write it <laughs> so that's what um that's what it has worked for for that's the way I've worked for the um Star of the Sky when the sea turned to silver and um and the newest one the Mulan one from Before the Sword so that's but I haven't written that many so so like so that's three out of the four books <laughs> but you say three out of the four but that like even four books which like you have that's four out of your like very long list of books <laughs> that you've written four books itself is a huge accomplishment one book itself like I've been looking online of just people with their debut books coming out um I've been because we're kind of locked down, I guess, people are sharing their experiences. And I was reading or listening to someone, I can't remember who it was, but they're saying, as a debut author, I think it's really important that you continue to push yourself to continue to write. Um, oftentimes, people try to put out one book a year because that's, like, that's just what they can handle. Um, and that there's often times where people get comfortable and they have their debut book and then they don't have another book for X amount of years and for whatever reason. Um, but at the same time, I, for someone like you who produces so many books, <laughs> um, I'm wondering also like, how does that work? Is that based on your agent, based on publishing, based on just what you can handle? Um, well, it's, well, I'm so, I'm, I'm actually kind of tickled that you think that I'm very, so productive <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, like I actually feel like I'm a very slow writer because it takes me a long time to write a novel, like from, um, so from Star of the Sky to when the sea turned to silver, let's see, 2010, 12. 12, 13, 14, 15. I think it was like there, I think there was like at least a three or four year gap, right? <laughs> and then wow. well, when the sea turned to silver, I'm supposed to be working on, on another novel and already it's 2020, that was 2016. So it's been four years and I haven't had the <laughs> the novel that was supposed to come out after that. So, so, um, so I actually don't feel, feel like a fast writer or a fast producer so it's so I I'm actually really happy to hear that on the outside it looks like I am <laughs> because and I think my editor would be really um impressed to hear that because I'm I'm always incredibly late like like I said like the novel that I'm supposed to be have the have like it's been contracted since 2016 and I haven't even started and it's 2020 now so like I said it's a, it's I, I'm notoriously late all the time um I think for me uh it's a mixture of um just trying uh, it's just I'm not really sure, honestly. I wish I knew. I think the story has a lot to do with it. Sometimes the story just won't let me go. Um, and sometimes it's just a matter of what 
I need to get done at the time. I mean, I think that right now I've done a lot of picture books. I've been working on picture books. I'm working on a picture book right now, um, mainly because I think I have a child who's, um, well, she's not, she, now she's, she's like second grade, but when I was writing those books, creating those books, they, she was more of the picture book age. And so it was a lot easier for me to get in that mindset, but as, and so it's, it was harder for me to get into the older uh, novel mindset. So that's why those have kind of slowly, I wouldn't say stalled, but they've only slowly moved, <laughs> move forward. Uh, so, um, you know, I wish I had some kind of way to, to, to tell your listeners like, oh, well, this is how you do it. <laughs> because honestly, I would love that. I would, if you have any, if you know anybody who does it, I would like to hear them <laughs> and how they do it. Because um, I feel like it's just, I feel like I'm always just, okay, we'll do this now. And then we'll do this now. And then we'll do this now. And then we'll do this now. <laughs> and we'll hope that this works out. <laughs> well, I'm happy, I'm happy that you have an, uh, an editor that seems to be very flexible, which is good. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's, uh, my editor is actually my childhood friend. So, so like, uh, we actually, so if you ever read my book, The Year of the Dog, um, there's the main, there's the main character, Pacey, and she, she she's the only Asian girl in her class until another Asian girl moves into town and that new Asian girl's name is Melody well that really happened to me in real life I was the only Asian girl until another Asian girl moved into town uh, but in real friend. life her name was not Melody her name was Alvina and she grew up I grew up to be a children's book author and illustrator and she grew up to become a children's book <laughs> editor and now she's my children's book editor she's my editor so like we know each other pretty well so she can't be too mean to me <laughs> that is so awesome and grace i think the last thing for me is um wondering how you manage motherhood within all of this um yeah. because that's something that i just have been doing a lot of not a lot but i, I recently read um the farm and it's a book by a filipino author who talks a lot about motherhood and um, her name's Joanne Romas and I've just been really curious about how women in general but also um, educators and authors how do they manage I guess the deadlines and the pressures of being an author but at the same time the pressures of being quote unquote like a great mom or yeah. um, do you know what I mean? Yes, I, it's, I would say the hardest years um, for me career-wise, well, I don't know if that, I wouldn't say that it's the hardest years, but I would say that the years after my daughter was born that were very, very challenging, uh, especially like for especially the early years. Um, and I felt like many of the times when I was trying to get books done or getting books done it was like I would be like writing in the bathroom at two in the morning you know like then like so that the light wouldn't bother that you know like and I'd be like always trying to sneak it in and, and when I finally got the book done I was like oh I got this book done in spite of you know in spite of being a basically I was I would say I got this book done in spite of being a mom you know like and it was a really weird feeling and it's only been I mean it helps that she's gotten older but it's only been in the in the last I would say three or four years that I've come to the realization like you know I'm a children's book author 
an illustrator, that's a very unique thing. And I have to lean into that and I have to lean into being a mom. And, and I've started slowly realizing that I have to create my projects so that I can feel like I'm creating this project because I'm a mom, because like not in spite of being a mom, but because I'm a mom. So my, my book, A Big Mooncake for Little Star, um, was a picture book that I did. And uh, my daughter is, my daughter is the main character, Little Star, you know, and like, it, and it was inspired by, um, inspired by her eating all the mooncakes at, <laughs> at the moon festival, you know, and it was, it was this beautiful synergy. Like I remember when I finished that book, feeling so like, okay, this is the way I need to um, change my attitude and I need to focus on my career this way because I felt like this book was a book I created because I was a mom, because everything was integrated. Even, you know, my podcast, the like, Kids Ask Authors, like I'm putting her, like she is her voice on the questions, you know, like I'm realizing for me, I need to integrate my family into my work and I'm in a unique position where I can do that and, and not keep them separate because otherwise I feel like I'm always um, having to choose one over, over the other and it's and it feels so horrible <laughs> it feels mm -hmm. so bad because like I said it feels bad to be in in the bathroom at two in the morning <laughs> typing and then being really grumpy the next day you know like um, and but if they're a part of the project, they kind of understand more, like, it, and it doesn't have to be two in the morning, you know, like, they're like, oh, okay, you know, like, I understand, like, it's our book or something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's, That's no, how. I, I love that. I yeah. love that. Yeah, it reminds me so much of, um, I talked to Min Lei as well, and he said the same thing. I asked him just about his process of writing books, et cetera, and he said, I talked about being a dad and what does that look like, and he said, like, one of his biggest supporters is his wife, but at the same time, the more he allows his kids to be in the process, like editing, revising, yeah. it makes the process seem so much more seamless and more meaningful knowing that yeah. his kids have had that opportunity. So I think that's wonderful. Yeah, and it's also like they don't, my daughter doesn't mind so much when I ignore her because she feels like it's part of her book <laughs> to work. So it's, it's a so lot of, cool. it's, it's a balance. That's so cool. Grace, thank you so much for joining me today. I think I could, I feel like I could just talk to you forever. Aw, thanks so much for having me. Grace, where can people um, find you? Let's see. Okay, so they can find me um, on Instagram or uh, at Instagram at Pacey Lynn. They can find me on Facebook at author Grace Lynn. Um, they can find me on Twitter at Pacelin, but I don't really use it that often. <laughs> and they can also um, go to either of my podcasts, which is um, Kids Ask Authors, or they can go to Book Friends Forever. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs>